Romans chapter 5, we're going to jump into the message this evening. I'll try not to be as long-winded as the guy this morning, and we'll try to get out at a, at a decent hour today, but uh, no, that was a great, great message this morning. A lot of what Brother Jeremiah said this morning, uh, I was thinking, man, that really echoes uh, a lot of what uh, I believe the Lord would have us go over tonight. And I do, I really honestly do thank Brother Jeremiah for the opportunity to speak tonight. It is always, always an honor to get to be able to speak here at this church and uh, I am thankful for uh, the friendship I have with Brother Jeremiah and Miss Leslie. The, the opportunity to work with him over that year uh, was just something I'll never forget. It was a great opportunity for us as well. I know he talks really big about us often, but it was, it was a great opportunity for, for me and my wife to get to know them and become such good friends with them. It's always great to come back and be with family and uh, the Matthews and the other Bartlett's. You know, it's always wonderful for that. But then to get to come back and be with, be with such close friends that we have with uh, that we are with the Andrews. It is, it is really, truly a joy. And then uh, I tell you what, I feel older and older now. Uh, we come here and somebody asked this morning, they said, Brother Nate, you used to coach basketball with him, didn't you? I said, no, I used to coach him. You know, I, uh, I, I wish, I wish I was a little bit younger and we would have been coached together. I coached him, and he was a young man and taught he and his wife in school years ago. And then we had the wedding for Tyler and Taylor, now Blasiola. And I'm thinking, do your parents, do they give you permission to get married? You know, uh, I'm just thinking, man, you know, we're letting younger and younger people do things these days. I, I'm feeling much, much more like an old man. Michael Coates, I don't want to hear any memes about that, okay? All right, he's, I'm sure there's one coming. But, uh, but it's, it is. It is a joy to be back. Uh, with all of you and, and, to, and to be able to fellowship with you in church this morning. Romans chapter 5, we're going to read five verses here, the first five verses, and we're going to stay in this passage of Scripture tonight. And, and uh, we have a message on uh, really a simple, simple message and one that is honestly has become very personal to me. This is a, these are some lessons that I, I think I've learned some. I know I'm in the process of learning more. And uh, I think this is very applicable to all of us, not just those of us who are related to Central Baptist Church, uh, but Christians in, in general, uh, people in our country, Christians across our nation. But again, I think this does also apply specifically to our situation in this church here. And not only that, I believe in many of us, in many of our lives, this lesson, this series of truths apply to us personally in our lives, again, not necessarily related to our church, but just some things that we deal with personally in our day-to-day -day, uh, lives as well. And so uh, if, you'll, if you'll read with me here, we're going to look at a few different verses here and just some truths that we can gain from God's Word. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if that's all we read tonight, and we really dwelt on that verse, that would be worth coming back for tonight. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because of justification. And I think as Christians, at least in my case, this is very true. I've been saved a long time. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been in church forever. And often as Christians, if we're not careful, we forget that, that truth. This is not the message, but this is a big point here. I am justified by faith, and because of that, I have peace with God. I am not an enemy of God. I used to be. I was. I was at enmity. I was an enemy of God. Think about how horrible that situation is. For those who are lost in our world, they are at enmity or they are an enemy of God. And, and that's not what I am anymore. The Bible says I'm a friend of God. 
I am now a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. What a great truth. And as Christians, we, can never, we should never lose sight of that. I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he goes into it a little bit further now. Because of that, verse number two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. A key phrase here, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Look down at verse number three. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. I don't like that verse. Paul's saying we glory, we're excited about, we celebrate, we're thankful for tribulations also. And to that I say, "Uh uh-uh, not me. I should, but a lot of times I don't. Verse number three. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience, is that word again, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We're going to look at these verses here, give you just a, a, a few a brief points here, and then we'll be, uh, be done for tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for our time together tonight. Lord, again, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to be part of this church and to be here today on such a, such a wonderful day. And, and uh, Lord, I thank you for the wonderful message we heard this morning, the opportunity we had to hear the choir sing and uh, see all of the, uh, the children come on the platform today. What a joy and what an encouragement that was uh, to me. And I pray that you would bless the service tonight. Lord, thank you for Brother Jeremiah. Thank you for his leadership in this church and uh, the wisdom he has shown over the, these last uh, number of months, specifically with this uh, COVID situation and the way he has led this congregation. I pray that you bless him and his family. Bless our church now in the service tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as Paul gets into this passage of Scripture here, he's in Romans chapter 5, and he jumps in, and he starts going through things that we gain after justification. On a side note, I thought about leading off with, you know, that reminds me of the time. And, you know, I say that in Colorado, nobody laughs. Uh, you know, so at least you still get uh, you still get some humor. There's still some things that we have together that they just don't get there. But at any rate, uh, uh, Paul talks about justification by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he speaks of three sources of hope. Okay, now this is really is the message, but we're, this isn't really the whole message, but this is part of it here. Three sources of hope. We're going to lay this out real quick, and then we're going to jump back into the lesson here now. Look at verse number two. He says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now he says this right here. We have the opportunity as Christians because of our justification, because we're now at peace with God, we can now rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I can rejoice in my world today. Now, look, if you get on Fox News, there's not a lot of rejoicing going on there. If you get on Twitter and you see the stuff that everybody tweets and you you see what the president tweets and the guy who wants to be the president and you hear their conversations back and forth, there's not a lot of hope. Man, I got so excited the other night, man. We were having that first presidential debate. Man, I got the popcorn ready. I I had everything ready to go. I was so excited to watch these guys go. And like 10 minutes in, I'm thinking, I got excited for this. There was not a lot of hope. I was discouraged. I'm like, come on. You know, this is the best we have to offer for America. I was discouraged. And and if we're not careful with everything going on in the world, with all the social unrest and being told that everything is your fault, no, everything is your fault, and our country is wonderful, our country is a disaster, and all of the things in between, it can become very, very tiring. I don't know about you, but it it can wear on my, uh, it can wear on, on how I feel, my emotions, it can, it can damper my spirit, but it shouldn't. 
Why? Because i got to shut the TV off and the news off and put the phone down and get into the Word of God and see that I can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now look, election's coming up in a few weeks, and Brother Jeremiah mentioned it this morning. I don't know which way it's going to go, and honestly, I'm not very optimistic. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. Regardless of who gets elected, we ought to rejoice in the hope that we have in the glory of God. We ought not be down in the dumps like we were when somebody else got elected in a previous uh, presidential race or things didn't go well the way we thought they ought to go within our government and things didn't go well with our country and we get so discouraged. And as Christians, we ought to be the last ones discouraged. We ought to rejoice in the glory of God that we have. So we have hope there. Then he mentions in verse number three, look here, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now these are trials of the present. These are tr- the Lord says, look, you, you have hope. You have hope in your trials and the trials that you're going to be dealing with in your life today. That's really what we're going to focus on tonight here, specifically in just a few minutes. There is hope in the tribulations that we go through. Whether it's the, you know, we can take this term tribulation and you can really kind of relate it to different areas of our life. It's the tribulations of difficulty. Maybe it's health problems. Maybe they're tribulations of financial woes, issues at work, problems within our nation, these types of tribulations. It could be religious liberty being threatened, things of those na- uh, things of that nature. Or we can talk about tribulations just in the fact of things changing. You know, it's tribulation when things change. It's difficult. Change is not fun. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'll be honest with you, last year has not been a lot of fun for me. It's not. We had COVID happen. In the middle of all that, we moved. Then we took our son to college. I guarantee you, I don't encourage you to do this. Move your entire family across the country, then send your kid to college for the first time. We're an emotional wreck. If I break down crying here, just you know, pat me on the back, okay? You know, uh, We've been on an emotional roller coaster here for a little while. Those types of things can cause problems. They, they, change is difficult. And whether or not you're picking up your family and moving across the country, or just life goes on, kids grow up. Uh, I was talking to Aaron and Charity back here and, and playing with their little baby girl. I cannot believe how big she is getting. You know what? Things change. Kids grow up. They move from one stage to another. Life changes. I don't like it, but it's the way the world works. Sometimes those changes can be cause of tribulation. Paul says, now, in all of this change and all of this tribulation and trouble and uncertainty, this is good. We're to rejoice in that. And then he gives us the, the third hope here. Uh, in verse number five, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, look, we'll get to that part here in just a second as well. But the foundation of the message is this. It really hinges on this. When we look at the word hope, look at that word hope there in verse number, uh, verse number five there. The hope maketh not ashamed. Verse number two, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We've weakened that term of hope a lot. We don't use the word hope like it is meant to be used in Scripture. We, we think of the word hope like, I hope that hurricane doesn't hit us. You know, uh, I hope it, uh, this situation, I hope I get a raise at work. We use the term hope in a different manner, which is referred to here. That term hope comes from the Greek word elpis, which means this. It's an intense expectation based on confidence in the unfailing promises of God. It's an intense expectation. Hope is this. It's an intense expectation. It's an expectation of what's going to happen based on what? Now, look, my expectation is only worth whatever it is based upon. My expectation now is based on confidence of God's word. 
So when I have hope in Scripture, it's an int- I'm expecting something big from God. It's not just a wishing upon a star. I'm hoping, I'm expecting something from God based on his word. That's where my confidence is in. And so this is what I'm looking at here. So this term hope means a very intense, positive expectation. The Bible says that hope is so strong that we will never be ashamed. Hope that maketh not ashamed. Look at that verse number five, and hope that maketh not ashamed. What that term there, it's not talking about being ashamed like I'm ashamed at the defense that my football team plays right now. All right, that's not the kind of ashamed it's talking about. I'm ashamed at at how you know I, I, I was a, a Tigers fan and then a Dallas Cowboys fan. All of my teams are horrible this year. I'm I'm ashamed at my football teams. You know, that's not what this term is talking about. It's talking about being disappointed. Disappointed. Hope that maketh not ashamed. Hope that does not disappoint. This is really where we're going here. Okay, this is the end of the line. The Bible says that I I can rejoice. I can rejoice, and I have all of these great things to rejoice in because at the end of the day, it leads me to a hope, an intense expectation on God's word that will not disappoint. It will not disappoint. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I go through trials and tribulation and problems and everything, I always don't see the end of the line. I don't see the end of the road. I don't see where this is going. I don't know God's will. I'm not the Lord. I'm not God. I don't know why we have to go through trials and tribulations, but I know this. The Lord promises us that if I have the, the joy, if, I have, if I'm justified, first of all, in verse number one, if I'm saved and I know the Lord, I have peace with God, and whatever happens in my life, whatever happens in our country, whatever happens to me personally, if I'm walking with the Lord, I have the Holy Spirit guiding me, and I have this great love of God, and it's going to lead me to a hope that will not disappoint. It will not be easy all the way there, but man, it's going to be good. You know, I've had to tell myself that a lot lately. You know, this is all for my good. God is not doing things for me that are, that are not for my good. I don't like change. I wish things would stay the same. Often in my life, I've looked back and wished things would stay the same. I can't tell you how many times I've been on vacation thinking, I wish I could stay here and not go back home, you know? We go to places and we get to stages of our lives where the Lord blesses us, and we don't want things to change. And when they do, we can begin to doubt. We begin to worry. We begin to question God and question God's will. Paul's saying, as tribulation comes, not if, but as it comes, the point is going to be made that you're going to have, walk with God, you're going to have hope that will not disappoint. Look at verse number five. It says, where it is shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That word shed abroad there, it comes from the Greek word ekseo, ekseo, which means to gush out, to pour out. So he says, this hope that will not disappoint will be in your life because of the love of God. It is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It doesn't mean just pouring out a little bit like water drops or or snowflakes or something like that. No, that term shed abroad is gushing out, poured out in, in mass. The love of God causes us to have a sure and steadfast hope in Christ. The Holy Spirit, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in our hearts and he says, look, I've got the love of God. I'm pouring it into you. Not just a little bit. It's shed abroad uh, uh, over and over into your hearts. Over the last few months, we've had to depend. Now, whether it's been here in this church or whether it's been in another church 
I can tell you this, we've had to depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Look, what we're doing here, who would have thought a year ago that we'd have to have signs up here, have chains over here, have a section for some folks who need to sit and be kind of be separated a little bit from some other folks, and then we've got to spread things out. Who would have ever thought anything like this would happen? Nobody. Nobody. Who would have ever thought we'd have to go online and do all the things that we've had to do within a church body, that we, we would have to have a big service in October to, get every, to, have, to be able to have everybody back in the building again? No one would have ever thought that. At least I wasn't even close to thinking that. There have been so many things that have happened in our country that have affected our city, that have affected our church, that has affected your life, that has led us to depend on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is poured the love of God into our hearts, and we ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I know in this church, I know you have a pastor who's not perfect, but I know he seeks the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if he's seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit for the direction in which we ought to do the decisions that ought to be made in this church, we ought to get behind him. We ought to support that. And look, where the Bible doesn't say we don't have to, we're we're not going to have church or we're going to go live stream only. The same place that said, hey, watch out, a pandemic's coming. Okay? Every little detail is not given to us through the word of God, but the Holy Spirit is. And we have a pastor who's seeking the will of God, the leadership of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct the church. And if I'm seeking the will of the Holy Spirit to lead me in my life, then we'll be in harmony together behind what the Lord is doing within this church. I would not be at conflict with him. So there's a problem. If somebody in our church who says, I'm following the Holy Spirit, and the pastor says, I'm following the Holy Spirit, and there's conflict there, somebody ain't following the Holy Spirit. All right, I can say that here. They don't like ain't in Colorado, but I can say ain't here because you're with me. All right, we got it. Uh, When we have one person following the Holy Spirit and someone else that's in conflict with a pastor here who is following the leading of the Holy Spirit, then somebody is not following the leading of the Holy Spirit if there is conflict. Okay, so this is just a little side note there. Let's be sure in our personal life and our own walk with God, I'm seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm praying for my pastor. i got to pray for the man of God as he leads the church and he makes decisions that are best for the church. And I may not necessarily agree with him, but I know that he's seeking the the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit as well because the Bible says the love of God is poured into my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm saved and he's saved, we ought to be pulling in the same direction. And so we ought to be supportive of that. Then we see here, The hope is shed abroad. The result of this hope, the result of this hope is that we have joy in God. And here's the point of the message. We're going to jump into this. This is all kind of introductory, and then we'll get to the points and be done. Uh, we, We have joy in God. The result of this hope is I have joy in God, and we have glory in tribulation. I can joy in God. Now, there are many Christians I have met, and to be honest with you, I have been one of them from time to time that has not had the joy of God in my, in my heart. I am sure not exuding the joy of God. There have been times I've been depressed. I've been frustrated. I've been aggravated at what's going on in the world and everything politically and then uh, just everything within the, the process of the church, and I want things go, to go back to normal. But I can tell you this, church, I honestly believe this. I believe the Lord did this across our country, and it affected all of us as Christians for, for one purpose, not the only purpose, but for, for one of these reasons, I believe, is because the Lord does not want us to go back to normal. God does not want us to go back to normal. I've said it. I've been guilty of saying it. I wish things would go back to normal. I believe this has happened in America. This has affected our churches in America because God says, I'm sick of your normal. Normal. 
I'm sick of it. We get up and we'll say, church is essential, church is essential. Then the church doors open up and, well, it's not that essential, we find out. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm not talking about people who are staying home because they're nervous and they want to stay home for their health right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the folks who, when things are going well and everything is fine, who can't get up in the morning and get to church. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You're people who are here during a pandemic on a Sunday night. God bless you. You earned double points in heaven tonight because of that. So, uh, But understand this. So often we say, I want to go back to the way things were. I want to go back to the normal. And God, I believe, is telling us, no, no. I don't want you to go back to normal. Brother Jeremiah mentioned it this morning. I hope we don't stand up here at the end of the day and just just almost take for granted saying it's good to see you today. For him to say it's good to see you today, man, he really meant it today. And when we said that to each other, we really meant it today. Why? Because things have been different for so long. We ought not want to go back to normal. Things ought to be different. Things ought to change. And let me tell you this. As as Brother Jeremiah leads this church... I don't know. We haven't talked about any specific. I have no insight on any specific plans, if anything. But if he comes up to this church and he says, okay, here's some things that we're going to do differently. We ought not be the ones sitting back saying, I don't like that. That's not what we used to do. We shouldn't do what we used to do. We shouldn't. God brought this into our lives to force us to reflect on ourselves, to force the church to look at themselves and say, what are you not doing right? What should you do differently for my glory? So this hope that we have ought to lead us to the joy of God. And we ought to be leading our lives, walking the leading, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then, <sighs> glory and tribulation. Let's look what Paul says here. Paul says we can have joy in tribulation. Well, how can we say that? Now, that word tribulation, it comes from a Greek word that talks about the wine press. It talks about how grapes were crushed and juice was extracted from the grapes. And uh, those grapes are pressed tighter and tighter. This is the term that Paul's using here. It's the same term describing the pressure that is put on grapes when they're crushed, getting ready to go to the wine press here. It's pressure. There are times in our lives that we've all been having to deal with some Different, maybe at different levels, but we've all had to deal with some pressure, some change, some tribulation, difficulty, things that are not comfortable. I think it'd be safe to say that all of us have gone through different, maybe different levels of, but we've all gone through time of not being comfortable with where our world is heading, of the things that we've been going through here. Paul says when we face the pressures of life and the tribulations, we still can have hope. Paul says this, we have hope that stands up under tribulations, and we can glory in that. I believe that God has a ministry of trouble. Now, if we had a big ministry expo, we got the bus ministry, we got this ministry, we got that usher ministry, we got the nursery ministry, we got, you know, giving ministry, we got a ministry of encouragement, we got all that, and we have the ministry of trouble. How many people are going to go by that, by that table and sign up there? I want the ministry of trouble. How many are going to sign up? None. None many. That's how many. None many. All right. Nobody. I'm not signing up saying, God, I I really want to be involved in the ministry of trouble. Bring it on. Nobody's saying that. But I believe that the Lord has given us a ministry of trouble. Some people say, if God loves me, why am I having trouble? Why am I having these problems? Why has this happened to me? Why do I have this illness? Why have I lost this job? Why are we having to go through this situation with this illness and this pandemic? Why does our country seem to be in so much turmoil? And the truth is, if we don't accept God's will... That leads us to the only other option, to rebel against God's will. And this is dangerous ground here. The Lord, I believe, has put each one of us individually, all of us, into a position where we can either accept his will, accept the change, accept the tribulation, 
or rebel against it. Now, it's all fun when things change for the first time. Sometimes it's all it's joyful. It's fun to, for things to be different, things to change, and maybe go a different direction. But then after a while, you realize this is not, maybe not what I thought it was going to be. And oftentimes, we can begin to, uh, to question God. We can begin to question the tribulation or the change or the trouble that has come. Well, there's only one of two options. We either accept God's will or we rebel against it. So, God has a ministry of trouble, and we have to choose which way we're going to go with it. So why? Why Why does God give us trouble? Number one, trouble molds us. Trouble molds us. The Bible says in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What does that verse say there? What's Paul saying? Hey, The Lord comforts us in our tribulation so we can turn around and we can help somebody else when they go through it too. Oftentimes in our lives, we go through problems, we go through through turmoil, we go through trials, all because God's saying, look, I want you to deal with this, I want you to go through this, I want you to grow through this because I've got some other people that are going to have to go through the same thing. And I want to use you to help them lead them down this road. How many Christians have rebelled against the, the tribulation that God has allowed in our lives and we've missed out on the opportunity to be a blessing to someone else? We've missed out on the opportunity to help. Oftentimes we think, well, how can I help other Christians? How can I do for someone else? Then trouble comes along our way. We say, well, I don't want that. I don't want trouble. I want to be able to help other people. And the Lord says, well, look, this is how you do it. The trouble comes. I guide you through it. You grow through it. And then when that person behind you goes through it, you help them. And when that person behind you goes through it, you help them. Look, the Bible makes it very clear. The elder are to teach the younger. The elder are to teach the younger. So some of you older folks... Your job is not to sit on the pew and never do anything. Your job is to teach. Yeah, I'm calling myself younger, okay? I'm I'm including myself in that group, all right? Your job is to teach us younger people, all right? Older are to teach the younger. Why? Because your older folks have been through a lot more things than the younger folks have. And hopefully, older folks have have a deeper walk with God, a stronger walk with the Lord. And you have the ability to help those who are coming behind you. We are to help comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We, as Christians, oftentimes, look, Sometimes we're ashamed of our trouble. Man, I've been in church a long time, and I've had this often. You're ashamed to, to let people know that you have problems. Often Christians, we want to put on. We, we know how to put on the dog for church. You know, we, have, we know how to put on the right clothes. We know how to get all. We pack our pockets full of God bless you's and uh, amens and all that kind of stuff. And we hand out the God bless you, praying for you. We got all the lingo down at church. Now, we were fighting like cats and dogs in the car on the way there. We go back home. We live like the devil, but we know how to put it on at church. And oftentimes, we're afraid to let people know we have problems. Paul said, look, bear ye one another's burdens. How do you do that? You got to admit you got burdens. First of all, we have to admit that there are problems that that we have. There are difficulties that we're going through. And when I'm willing to admit that, I can seek help that the Lord has given me through other Christians. The Lord allows trouble, allows change, allows things to take place for the purpose of molding us, changing us, putting us through pressure that distorts us into what God would have us be. How foolish and how arrogant is it for us to resist that? What does he say in verse number three? Not only also, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That's that P word again. Who likes patience? Not this guy. All right, what has two thumbs that does not like patience? Right here, this guy. Nobody likes patience. The Bible says tribulation worketh patience. 
Now, look, we hear that term often. We, we use that term growing pains, growing pains. Now, I don't know. I haven't really talked to a lot of people here. I'll be honest with you, and I think everybody, you know, I, I haven't talked to a whole lot of people since we left here over the last few months. I haven't corresponded just a little bit here and there. I don't know anything, but I would tend to think that probably over the last three months there have been some growing pains here. I know there has been where we are. There has been some growing pains. There have been some difficulty, but here's the deal. We have an option here. We can either choose to focus on the growing or focus on the pains. We can pick one or the other. Look, we talk about character often. What is character? Character is doing the right thing when nobody's looking here. That's very, very true. But if you don't like something, you know, the old old statement, if you don't like something, change it. But if you can't change it, change the way you think about it. If you don't like something, if you don't like things that have been going on in this church and how things have changed... Okay, change the way you think about it. Change the way you think about it. If you don't like things that are going on in your life and you can't alter them, you can't change them, well, then change the way you view them. If you don't like, you can't change everything going on in our country right now, change the way you think about it. What a great thought this morning. It's a part of the message today. Looking for the future, looking forward, having the right, what a great truth this morning. Looking at the time, paying attention to the time, where we are living today. When I look and I change when I look at the current situation, I can focus on the growth or I can focus on the pain. So many times we like to focus on the negative. We focus on the things that are not going the way they ought to go, not focused on the fact that, hey, this is happening because we have a church full of people. We have a lot of people uh, that, that are uniting back together again. Lord willing, after this passes over, more and more people are going to be getting saved and trusting Christ and people being baptized. And there are going to bring that growth will bring about, guess what? More pain, more tribulation, more problems. But we ought to focus on the growth. Tribulation works patience. The Lord brings tribulation and brings change to force us to be patient. Why? Because patience leads us to, that word patience here means steadfastness or endurance. When I go through tribulations, I am to grow in patience. I'm to grow in steadfastness. I'm to grow in endurance. All of that under pressure. So when the pressure comes, I'm not shaking. I'm not going back, back and forth to and fro. It takes trouble to bring about conditioning so that we will have steadfastness. Look, some of you played sports before. You know, you get out there and, and you have to do all of this work ahead of time. You got practices. Then, you know, if you're playing any kind of, uh, of sport, you, you got to run. You got to get yourself in shape. Why? Because the coach is teaching conditioning. There, are, there is a battle coming. It's called a game. There's a battle coming. There's conflict coming. And I've got to decide, am I going to put myself in position to be ready for the conflict? Or am I just going to take it easy during this time? And when the conflict comes, I get destroyed. Look, conditioning, practice conditions us. It gets us ready for the trouble that's down the road, for the contest down the road. That steadfast, that, that, that tribulation gives us steadfastness. It gives us endurance. It gives us the patience for the pressure that's coming. In our Christian life, the same thing happens. The Lord allows tribulation. He allows things that are going to force us to grow, to force us to have endurance for when the trouble comes. Then, trouble not only molds us, but trouble confirms us. Look at verse number three. And not only so, we read this a moment ago, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. 
Now, that word experience is much deeper than just having years of service and having what we would call experience, getting a diploma or a degree or just being in the ministry for 10 or 20 or 50 years. It's not just that type of experience. The word experience here is much more meaningful than that. The word experience here could be simply translated as the word proof. So tribulation brings patience, that patience of endurance, of steadfastness through trouble, through pressure, through trials. That steadfastness now, that tribulation leads to patience. That patience now leads to experience. And that experience is proof. There are many people in this room tonight uh, that you understand, you know this. You have proof of God working in your life. You have proof of answered prayers You have proof of going through trials and difficulties, and the Lord brought you through it, and it drew you closer to him, and now you have an even more steadfast faith. Why? Because the tribulation brought you to patience, that endurance, and that endurance then led you to see the Lord work, and it gave you proof. In his famous Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech, Patrick Henry said this. He said, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. Patrick Henry knew the value of experience, the lessons from the past. Tribulation gives us experience that now in the present we can have confidence. It proves that God is able to deliver us in the midst of trouble. Look, if we went around the room, I know I know you guys. I know there are a lot of great Christians here who have testimony, can give story after story of how God has worked in your life and answered a prayer or led you through a difficult time. This is why Paul says we glory in tribulation. Why? Because, man, it helps you grow. It helps you then be molded. It helps you have, ex- it, it helps you have endurance that leads you to experience so that you have proof that when something difficult is coming you know it's, the Lord's going to be there and he's going to take care of it. I'm seeing this in our family. Brandon went to college. He's a freshman in school. And there are things that he's, difficulties that he's had that every normal kid has going to college, going to school. He's got some things. He's had some needs come up in his life that he's, he's talked to us about on the phone. And we've, we've prayed about it and we're seeking the Lord's will. And to be honest with you, there are some things that he's more concerned about than I am. Why? Because I, I've been there. Some of the things that he's praying for, I've prayed for, and I've seen the Lord meet that need, and I know the Lord is doing his work, and I know the Lord's going to take care of it. He doesn't quite see it yet, but he's walking down that road, and he's seeking the Lord's will, and one day the Lord's going to answer those requests, and the Lord's going to bless him, and he's going to have more confidence than he has today. I know there are things that I'm battling in my life. There are things that I'm dealing with in my life that people older than me are looking back saying, that's right. That's good. Everything's going to be okay. I've been there. I've been down that road. You're going to be okay, Bart. Let's seek the Lord's will. Walk with him. I have the proof to know that everything's going to be fine. The Lord's going to take care of that need. That's why older folks, again, the elder teach the younger here. The elder are to be there to say, hey, I have the proof. I've lived it. Everything's going to be okay. You're on the right track. Or, hey, you're getting off track. You're not doing right. Get back on track. I'm the proof. I know this is what the Lord will do if you walk with him. This is what we're to do as Christians one for another. Experience proves that our faith is genuine. It proves that our faith is genuine. Look, we don't know what kind of faith we have until we're put to the test. Oftentimes we say, Lord, I want to grow in my faith. And the Lord says, okay, let's put you to the test. No, 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 I didn't expect that. 
I just want the faith. I don't want the test that goes with it. I don't, I don't want to grow in that. I just want you to give it to me so I'm grown. It's like the little kid saying, I want to be big. Okay, poof, now you're an adult. We'd say, well, that's foolish. Of course it is. The same way it is in my Christian life when I say, Lord, help me to grow in my faith. We expect the Lord to say, poof, now you have great faith. No, no. I'm to grow in my faith. And that only comes through testing. It's a ministry of trouble. We could go through the story of Job. We don't have time for that tonight. But we see Job growing and understanding at the end of his life that God is faithful. That's the ministry of trouble. In John chapter 9, a blind man came to Jesus. And the disciples said, Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? You know, was, it, was it him or was it his parents? And the Lord said, neither of them. He was born blind so that the glory of God might be manifest in him. Look, he's blind because there is a trial we put in his life, and it's there so that God can be glorified. God allows trials, tribulations in our lives for the purpose of him being glorified. So when that trial and that tribulation comes, I'm to joy in that, and we gain confidence Confidence by what we've already endured. This is the Christian life. We gain confidence because we've seen what God can do for us already. Change is difficult. It is not comfortable. But I would say this. Don't miss out on great experience and growth. Don't rebel against God's will and God's plan in your life. Don't lose out on a great victory by quitting on God in the middle of the struggle. Now, some of these these points overlap, and I understand that, and I admit that they do. But then the third point here is that trouble modifies us. Trouble modifies us. It takes trouble to show the world, trouble in a Christian's life to show the world that Jesus Christ is a living Lord. Look, when you got saved, were you as spiritually grown as you are right now? Of course not. Of course not. So great Christians were saved. When great Christians were saved, they were babes in Christ. They had to grow. They had to grow to become conformed to the image of Christ. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Look, if I'm a Christian and I'm walking with the Lord, I'm in the process of being molded and changed to be like Christ. I'm in the process of being conformed. Again, it's not easy. But God's in the process of conforming me to the image of his son, and he's using sorrow, tribulation, difficulty, Change. He's using all of these things to mold me to become more like him. So what a shame it is for me to resist and fight against and in anger rebel and in frustration get upset at change or difficulty or things that are different that I don't like. When the Lord's saying, I'm just trying to mold, I'm trying to make you more like me. The Lord sees the end from the beginning and he says, look, I just, I'm trying to change you to become more like me. We shouldn't resist that. I don't know of any other time frame where this much change has happened in our country in such a short period of time. I know, and, and I know there were some, some crazy things that happened in the 60s too, so we could maybe compare that and, and other, other eras of history. But there has been a lot of change globally, nationally, and certainly locally, even to the, to the local churches across our country. Great changes that have been taking place, and they're not comfortable. I don't like them. But Paul says we're to joy in them. Why? Because at the end, there is hope that will not disappoint. We were getting ready to come on this trip. And we were getting things packed up and ready to go. By getting things packed up and ready to go, I meant my wife was getting things packed up ready to go. And uh, so on, uh, on Thursday... I was at work <clears throat> getting some things taken care of. I had a schedule in my mind of how things were going to go. 
I'm going to get things done. I'm leaving at this time. I'll grab Reagan from school. We'll go home. I haven't packed yet. It's going to be a quick trip. I can throw some things in the bag. We'll be zip-zappity-zoop. We'll be out the door. We're going to hit the road, and we're going to, everything's going to go perfect, and here we are. Well, it started that some things came up at, at, at the church. Some things came up that I had to, had to take care of. I, I wasn't able to leave the time I wanted to. So we got home a little bit later than I wanted to. So we're already kind of up against the clock. I got home, began to pack things very quickly. We got things packed. And, uh, and because I got home late, we're now leaving the house a little bit later than we expected to. Now, with us picking up and leaving and coming out of town, we have to get things taken care of, namely this dog that somebody gave us. Uh, we have to get it taken care of. And so we have, we have our dog that we got to get. We got to get our dog dropped off and taken care of. And by the way, she's doing great. She's a beast. She's, a, uh, uh, she's huge, and she acts like a puppy because she is one, and she's hilarious, and I want to knock her out half the time, but she is great and, uh, and doing very well. But we, we go and we get her dropped off. And in the middle of all that, Brandon calls. Now, I had the plan all worked out. Brandon's fly, flying from California and has to come here. I had it all worked out. He's going to have a layover in Denver. That's where we're flying out of. We're going to meet him at the airport. We're going to see Brandon. We're going to have dinner there at the airport. Then we're going to hop on the plane and come fly into New Orleans all together as a family. Well, he calls me. He says, Dad, I'm sitting on the plane, and they're not taking off. And more and more time passes. He says, they're having a problem with one of the wheels. And more and more time passes. He said, Dad, they're saying it could be another hour. Well, I'm looking at the time frame for him to fly from California to Denver, and now is getting close for him to make his transition to, uh, to the next plane for us to, uh, to fly with him to, to New Orleans. And so I'm on the phone with him, and we're texting, and then we're calling, and I'm looking up other flights. I'm trying to plan ahead and figure out how this is all going to work. And, and, uh, and I got people cutting me off in traffic, and I'm yelling at them, and it's just it's a little tense. All right, and so we're driving to the airport. We finally get there. Uh, we're, we're running a little bit late, so we're trying to hustle. We finally get there. We open up the bag, take all of our luggage out, and I've left my briefcase at home. Now, what that means for you, that may not be a big deal. For me, that's like my brain. That's my life. I've left, you know, don't tell anybody, but I left my Bible. Um, you know, I left my computer, my iPad, all of my phone charger, you know, watch charger. Uh, I had this shirt with these cool cufflinks that have gears on them that somebody gave me. I had them. I left them in there. I left my ties. I had them packed in my briefcase. I left all that at home. And I'm so frustrated. I've had, you know, I'm doing this wedding yesterday. I'm thinking all my wedding notes are in my briefcase. I was planning. I had two and a half hours there, uh, here, and two and a half, hour, half hours home. I had a couple of books and a notebook. I was planning to get some work done. I was really setting aside. I've got five hours on, on an airplane where I can get a lot of stuff done. I left it all in my briefcase. I'm ticked off, frustrated, tribulation, great tribulation, you know. So we get to the airport. I'm on the phone with Brandon, you know, have you guys taken off yet? Well, finally he says, okay, we're leaving. I said, ask the stewardess, are you, going to make the, are you going to make the flight in time? Well, we think it's going to be close. We hope. We don't know. So we get to the airport. We get checked in. We get through security. And I get up there to the gate. And I ask the lady, I said, hey, there's a plane coming from Ontario uh, International Airport. What gate is it coming into? She said, it's coming in two gates down. I said, okay. My son's on that plane. She said, well, he'll be coming off at that gate. I said, okay, I'm going to stand here at your gate where we're getting on this plane going to New Orleans. I'm going to stand here and we're going to keep that door open until my son comes off. She said, well, I hope it works out. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I ain't getting on that plane. We're keeping that door open until he comes off, and we're getting on the plane. She's like, well, okay, sir, well, I hope. I'm like, no, 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 it's not I hope. You're using hope incorrectly here, okay? All right? I have an intense expectation, okay? 
he's getting off that plane and we're keeping the door open until he gets on. Well, sure enough, Brandon made it there. He made it with about 15 minutes to spare. Comes off the plane. Gave him a big hug. We walked right over two gates down and we hopped on the airplane. Now, guess what happened? We got on the airplane. We sat down. Of course, he sits by his mama, of course. But um, we get on the plane and we sit down. And guess what? All of the tribulation and problem ahead of time didn't mean anything anymore. My wife told him, said, Brandon, guess what? Dad left his briefcase. Brandon's like, oh, no. I've got my headphones and all that, everything, everything in there. I said, I don't care anymore. You're here. We got you. My hope had come to fruition. That intense expectation, the thing I was looking forward to, happened. We've been planning this trip forever. By that, I mean a couple of months. We've been training, planning this trip forever, getting ready that we drop Brandon off at college, but we're going to see you in six weeks. We're going to see you at the airport. We're going to fly together. We're going to get to be in Mississippi for the weekend. We're going to see the people at the wedding and at church and all that. We're going to spend the weekend together. We've been looking so forward to that. Now, along the way, there were some tribulation and trials and frustrations, and I was ticked off, and I had a bad spirit, and I was a bad testimony, and I admit it. But once we walked on the plane and sat down, I didn't care. We were together. We were together as a family. This is what the Lord's doing for all of us. There's some kind of tribulation in your life going on, something that makes you uncomfortable, something you don't like, some kind of frustration that you have in your life, and the Lord's saying, just roll with me here. It's in the Greek, it's what he's saying. Just roll with me here. Stay with me, walk with me, don't give up, don't rebel, stay the course. There's a great expectation, a great intense expectation based on God's word that's coming. There's good coming out of this if you'll just stay with me here. This is what the Lord's teaching us here. I don't like the trouble that happens. I don't like the change. But Paul says this, look, I've grown enough to see it happen over and over and over again. Paul says, I have the proof. Paul went to the city of Athens, and he saw a city that was given up wholly to idolatry. And Paul walked in with a great zeal and preached the word of God, and he didn't do so ashamedly. Why? Because he knew there's an intense expectation I have. God is going to bless. God's going to do some great things. His word will not return void. And even if I get thrown in prison, it's okay because God's got a bigger plan in mind. And Paul had that proof going through tribulation after tribulation to know this is all going to work for God's good. I encourage you tonight, whatever it is, whether it's changes in the church, whether it's changes internationally, whether it's problems and turmoil going on in our country, whether it's something personally you're dealing with in your life, God has a great plan to make it for good. You say, well, if the other guy gets elected, is everything going to be okay? Ultimately, yeah. How's that going to happen? I have no idea. But I have an intense expectation, not a wish. I have an expectation based on God's word that through tribulation, God's going to bring about patience. That patience is going to give me endurance. And that endurance is going to lead me, it's going to lead me to some experience. And that experience is going to anchor more and more proof in my heart, more confidence. And that confidence I can use to help other people down the road as they go through their own similar battles. And one day, man, and all of this is based on one thing, to see the end of that great expectation, that intense expectation, that hope based on God's word, that all of this is going to work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together tonight.